let us pray. We do not need to call you because you are already here. When, when we made this appointment with one another to meet at 10.30 on a Sunday morning on this corner, you already said, I'll be there. Because you will always be present where your family meets. You will always come when people lift up your name and proclaim your glory and your kingdom. And that's why we came. We came because you are our God. We came because your kingdom and your glory, they are all important to us. We also came, O oh Lord, because we know that we cannot live in this world without you. We need your guidance, your strength, your provision. We ask, O oh Lord, that today through the word that we are going to read, that you will guide us through this story of Jonah and in it discover something that we can apply, can apply to our life as we live in 2021. Your children, with our dad, please speak. Amen. I only put the slide up because I need to give an introduction before I can show you the next slide. So I grew up in the middle of our country. You can see that big red dot there in the middle, just sort of to a little bit north of it, somewhere there. I grew up in the middle of our country. A very rural town. Uh, it was called Cyplas. It was a little mining town. My dad was a mine surveyor or worked, it was a surveyor who worked for the mining industry. So a lot of dirt roads still. And I was like five, six years old and we would walk to the local swimming pool that the mine built for this small town. But the swimming pool was on a dirt road that you had to walk, and there was fields and stuff next to this road. And I knew when I had to go to the swimming pool, it waited for me. Now, if you are afraid of spiders, close your eyes. This guy, a Roman spider. Now, the South Africans in this church will know this guy well. They can be as big as, as a small kid's hand, not as big as a Roman, really, these big ones can get. But the problem with this thing is it hates the heat and it hates sunlight. So it chases after shadows. And if you Google this thing, you will see it says it's the one that will chase you when you are outside. Now imagine you are six years old, you are this tall, walking barefoot on your way to the local swimming pool because we all ran around, ran around barefoot, that was just what we did. This thing sees your shadow, and then it chases you. And sometimes there are more than one of these things that would chase you. And the faster you run, the faster they came. So I would run my, let's now keep it with biblical language. I would flee from the presence of this creature as quickly as I could. In our story of Jonah today, we are going to hear about fleeing, but this time not from a creature, but from God. And three times in the section you and I that I'm going to read, you will hear these words. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah said to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And then later on. Then the men were even more afraid. That's when the storm came. We'll get to that. 
and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them so. To flee from the presence of the Lord. For Jonah, it actually meant to go down to Joppa and to get on a ship and try to get away from where he had to be completely as far as he could. Nineveh on the east, Tarshish way to the west. We think it was in Spain. It was as far as he could get away from the, from the east. And, but that's not for today, for a different day. So I asked myself, so for Jonah to get away from God, he actually had to go down to a ship and he tried to get away from the presence. So how do people get away from the presence of our Lord in our time? I think every time when anybody drives past a church and never have any incline to walk through the door and find out about God. Do you know how many thousands of people drive past this church on a weekday or during the week and see our big sign outside that tells him what the sermon is about and what we are doing and about the fact that God is working here and God wants to work outside. And they look at the sign and they ignore it completely and they just continue with their day. It's fleeing from the presence of God. Because in this world that we live, you and I will see crosses. And I spoke about this last week. All around us, it will remind us of the presence of God. And if we constantly close our eyes for this, we are fleeing His presence. But the question is, why would you flee the presence of God? So, so a spider, I can understand, that thing could bite you. It wouldn't kill you, but it would leave a mark. It, it would burn, and it would itch for a while. And, and to flee away from danger, we all can understand. If there's a snake or somebody that's threatening you or whatever, you know, you, you, you get away. You don't want to get close to it because there's some harm that awaits you. But why would you flee from God, I ask myself? What is it that God has done that people do not care? That people will not go towards Him but go away from Him? If they accidentally would turn their radio to a Christian radio station and a guy starts to preach, they would immediately turn the radio off or go to a different station. What is it that God has done? That I want to flee His presence. You know, now, I think part of the reason why people are fleeing God is for the following. There are those that want to reject Him completely. Those are the atheists. There are the people that say, well, I want to flee from this one because I don't even think He's there. I think that our science, I think that our understanding, our knowledge is enough that I can prove that there is no God. I think through evolution, everything just, everything just came to be, so I can't imagine that there is a creator behind all of what I see or experience in this world. It's just us, nature, development. It's just random time and chance, and eventually time and chance made things the way it is. I've always wondered, so, so why do they never talk about life? You see, for hundreds of years, people have tried to combine. You know, they, we sent all these little things to, to Mars, these rovers that drive around there and they leave their tracks and they dig in the dirt because we are looking for signs of life. And then they said, well, we found all of these things, and if these things are there, then there may be life. Do you know in how many laboratories they have put all of these things that are supposed to give life together, but they can't kickstart it? Because you can't. Life can't come from nothing. 
Life can only come from someone or something that's alive. But the atheists don't want to talk about this. They just don't want to talk about this. Because if they talk about this, they may acknowledge that there is someone like God. The second group that I am quickly just mentioning are the agnostics. So uh, the atheists reject God completely, but the agnostics ignore God. They would tell you, I think there's a God, you know, but I think he's busy with his stuff, and, and I don't really care for him that much, and I think if I leave him alone, he will leave me alone, and eventually, you know, I will continue with my life, and God can do his thing. And at least one day, if I would stand before God, and he says to me, you didn't recognize me, I can say, well, I said there is a God, so you do your thing there. That's the agnostics. And then the third group, maybe this combines a lot. Just this declaration of independence. This declaration of independence. I just don't want anyone to tell me what to do. No one. I, I want to do my own thing. I, I, I'm missing something here. Let me go back there. I think the big reason is that people are afraid that they will lose control. Complete control. I think people are afraid that whenever you, 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 you give your life to God, then something is going to change. And I remember many years ago, I had a guy in my office, and I said to him, why don't you believe in God? Why don't you become a part of a church? I said, you, you are missing out on so much great things. He said to me, because I'm not sure how much is going to change my life. I, I want to have control of my life, and I'm afraid if I give myself to God or to religion or whatever, then I'm going to lose control. And that's why I think a lot of these groups exist because in some way, shape, or form, you are trying to rationalize the reason why I can't allow God to be a part of my life because I want to have full control. And then there's this group. People are fleeing the presence of God because all of these things are true about losing control. That's true. The moment when you give your life to Christ or you give your life to God, then you will lose control of your life. There's no way that you and I can still keep on, to the, on the control that we had and we think we should have. You see, the moment when I believe in God, I'm actually saying that there's a God and I believe that this God knows a little bit more about life than I do. And I, and I need to listen to him. I need to follow him in what he's going to tell me. So, so, and that's what we do not want to do because I want to have full control of who I am and what I do with my life. And then sometimes God will tell me to go to places and do things that I don't like. To Jonah, he said, you need to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh was a very dangerous place with a horrible king that killed a lot of people in the most horrific way. And God said, you go there. And Jonah said, I'm not going to go there. And God said, you go there. And he said, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go there. How many sermons have you heard in this church, about control. That I need to love my spouse, I need to love my children in a biblical way. Uh, about peace, that you and I need to have the peace of our Lord in our hearts, and we need to seek it, and we need to live it. About joy, that I need to have joy, the joy of Jesus in my heart, and I need to, every morning when I wake up, pick up my phone, and I need to, when I, when I answer my phone, I need to say, I'm well, because I believe that Jesus has made me a day to live to its fullest. How many times have we talked about self-control and about certain things that the Lord doesn't want us to do? How I need to control my, 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 my temper and, and how I need to control myself. And many times when you preach sermons about these things, then the people sit in the church and they nudge their spouses. You need to listen to this one. 
This is for you or for our neighbor or for our children or for our family. And seldom I think it's for me. Then I'm doing exactly what these guys did and what Jonah is doing. I flee from the presence of God. Because fleeing from the presence of God means that I am disobedient to what God is asking of me now. This guy that's on the screen, he's a criminal. He even tattooed, he tattooed his right eye. That's why it looks so weird. Nothing wrong with his eye, just tattooed the thing. And I can't remember what he did. When I got this picture, I read a little bit about his story, but he's a criminal. Ferdy, you need to go to this guy. You need to go tell him about me. Lord, are you serious? Do you know what he's done? Do you know how much harm and pain and suffering he has caused? Do you know how much evil is in this person's life? Now you tell me to go and tell him about you that he can spend eternity with me in heaven? That's not what I want. So what do we do? We categorize people. It's us and it's them. It's those people out there. And I must tell you, I have the same problem as you do. The, I told you the story where I run, there's a Muslim lady that walks there, and at some point I saw her and I thought, hmm, and I would run sort of like this around her. Other people I would say hi to, because at some point all of these things that happened with ISIS made me really angry. And then I read in the Bible, and the Lord says, you need to love those that are the closest to you, and when I run on my path, she's the closest to me, I need to love her also. She's done nothing wrong. And I started to stop and say to her, good morning, and now after a year or two, she starts to greet me. Because I think she's also afraid. But in my heart, she was one of those. And I, I, they can go to hell. Isn't that what we think? In many different ways. So when the Lord came to Jonah, he said, hey, Jonah, you need to go to those. Jonah said, I'm not going to those because those people are harmful. They are dangerous. They are not my friends. I don't like that kind. They speak a different language. They've got a different culture. They are horrible people. God says, I don't care. They need to be saved. They are mine. They need to be, they need to be saved. That family member of yours and mine that I sometimes feel so guilty about that I've not yet talked to about Jesus. Last year, no, earlier this year, Luis and I, when we went back to South Africa, we have friends that we see year after year when we go. And I said, Luis, this time we, I feel guilty. We have never really talked to them about Christ. They know I'm a pastor, but we've never really sat down with them and talked about our faith. They are atheists. Not sure how well our relationship is going to continue after our conversations we had with them. But that's now their choice. In a very kind and loving way, we share them what we believe. Because bef before God, we are responsible in the sense for these folks. And therefore, every morning when I run, I pray for them. I, I told them, I pray for you. They said, don't pray for us. Please, don't pray for us. I said, I will. Because it's not your choice, it's mine. The problem is that it also is sometimes true that God will mess up our schedule and our life. You see, I will lose control. It's way easier sometimes just to stay home and not come to church or not attend church online. It's way easier to get up in the morning and just run and go and do my thing and not even open my Bible and read. It's way easier to stumble through my day and not sit a moment quietly and pray. 
It's way easier to be so busy with my own stuff that I do not have time to serve a church or to serve the environment around me or the people around me in any way because I'm busy with me. That's what fleeing means. I'm fleeing from what the living Lord is asking me to do. So today I want to really challenge you guys. I want you to, while you are sitting here, think about the thing that the Lord has spoken to you about that you've been ignoring now for maybe a month, maybe a year, maybe 10 years. Think about what the Lord is asking of you to let go, not to do anymore, or someone you need to go and speak with. That you've been ignoring constantly, being fleeing away from. We can't anymore. You see, because if we believe in God, we need to do what He wants us to do. It's, it's about God. It's, and let me get you here. It's about who He is and His kingdom, our safety. You know, if anybody asks me, why do you believe in God? I, I always tell them, you know, if I look in the world around me, I cannot not believe because it's so beautiful and it's so well designed that it's impossible that all of this could just happen without someone designing it and putting it in place. I believe this with all my heart and I like to read science and a little bit of quantum physics and all this stuff. I, I understand a little bit of it just to see how magnificent, beautifully science is and how God is using all of this to create this amazing world that we live in. But I also believe in God because I see that we as humans can't do it on our own. We've been trying now for 8,000 years. I do not know when, when the fall in sin happened. Maybe it was 15,000 years ago, 18,000, or a billion. I don't care. The long and the short is since we left the garden, we have been messing up constantly, constantly. We are destroying our planet. We are destroying relationships. We are destroying every single thing that we touch. We need help. And help doesn't lie on a different planet or from an alien ship that we hope may someday come and help us. That's stupid. That's impossible. Do you understand? Light years and these things, it can't happen. There's not enough time. Help can only come from God, the one who placed us on this planet, who gave us our life and our being. So I believe in God because God is God and I'm not. I believe in God because I need to trust someone that knows way better than I do and the people that I surround myself with. I need to trust God because He's the one who created me and like I am guiding people, my children through life, I believe that He's doing the same for me. I trust God because I believe His kingdom is way more important than my own personal life story. And therefore, if things are okay, it's wonderful. If things are not okay, it's wonderful because I'm here just an instrument in God's hand. And I signed up for that when I said, I believe in Jesus. I said, Jesus, you use me under any circumstance. Any circumstance. And there are a few stories I don't want to tell now that really was heartbreaking for us as a family. And maybe later on we understood why that had to happen because in some way, shape, or form that served never us, but the kingdom of God in a mighty way. Sometimes you know, sometimes you don't know. And then our safety God is involved in our life because He wants to protect us. God is involved in our life like I'm involved in, and you are involved in your children's lives when they are this big. And my main purpose is to prevent this creature from running across the street because he's got no idea or he has got no idea. And they run away from me because they think they know they've got no clue. We have never matured. We are still toddlers. 
before God. But we declare our independence and we flee. Then we get hurt, badly hurt. And then sometimes we turn around and blame Him for our hurt. My life is not good. My life is not great, God. And God would say, Ferdy, but what did you do? I told you time and time again, control this. Don't do this. Don't go there. Don't. What did you do? You fled from my face. And now you are struggling. It's a mind thing. It's my second last slide. To flee from God is something that starts here. It has to do with how I think about God. When I wake up in the morning, do I think about God and who is He? Is He a small God or is He the mighty God of heaven and earth? Is He a God that I can control and put Him down there and say, you stay there, I'm going to be busy with this, and when I need you, I'll come and get you. Don't worry, God, just I'm there. You, you stay time. I'm busy, God. Oh, yeah, God, I need you. Okay, will you please turn this thing for me? Oh, fantastic, God, you did well. Thank you, God. I will continue now with my life. That's Ferdy. I've done that. It's actually saying to God, what do you want me to be? Not, I'm controlling you, but you control me. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of the every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat, you will die. The serpent was more craftier than any other wild animal that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat? from the tree in the garden. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. She saw that the tree was good for food, that it was delight to the eyes, was to be desired to make one wise, and she took and she ate. In the garden with God, God said, leave it alone, please. Just leave it. They've got all the other ones. Leave this one. Two things happened. Satan came and Satan will always come. He can't give her an apple or whatever fruit it was. He just said, what God is telling you is stupid. It's a lie. It's irrelevant. And the second thing, she looked at the tree and said, hmm, not too bad. I like this thing. And she ate. That's the world that we live in. We can flee from God because this world will tempt us and tell us what God is asking of us, of us is stupid. And then I look at this world and I say to myself, mm, it look, doesn't look that bad, does it? Then I touch. And then harm, pain, and hurt comes. And God's heart breaks for us. Follow, seek, obey. We've got two options. I can flee from what God is asking of me, or I can follow the one that came to guide me to be what God wants me to be. Amen.